No leader intentionally wants to kill the trustworthiness of their people, but they do it anyway, and often for what they believe are justified reasons. Nevertheless, the outcome is the same. They cause their people to lose their trustworthiness, and as a result, they can't trust them. This episode will explain why it happens in light of the eight laws of trust and the six components of trustworthiness, which were covered in seasons one and two of this podcast. But it will also give you tools using these same eight laws and six components to stop killing their trustworthiness and increase the level of trust in the organization. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm your host, Yoram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this podcast, I will share with you everything that I know and discovered about trust. I will challenge you to think differently about trust. But not only will I teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. It's almost like I'm reading the book of trust to you, but with no holding back and no BS. First of all, I'm very excited to share that uh, just yesterday I received an official notification. Actually, it's the official plaque from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office that granted me the trademark, the Book of Trust. Now, the third season, this season, will focus mostly on the seven-step process, the, the actionable part of how you build trust. How do you become more trustworthy? The focus is really on how you become more trustworthy. And it is a seven-step process. But this is really important. I still have, this is the second episode of the third season. So I still have a few episodes to cover that. And and I'll get to it, uh, hopefully, maybe even uh, starting in the next episode. Um, I want to start by telling you a story. I, I got a call recently, which prompted this episode, from a friend of mine. And he called me and uh, he was frustrated. He was frustrated because his boss did not trust him. Now, how do you know that you're not being trusted? Well, because he wasn't given autonomy. He he needed to take a day off and uh, he felt it was actually kind of a half day off or something like this. And and he felt that, that, that he's not trusted with the reason that he explained why he needed to take that half day off. And, and it made me wonder, because I know him, I know him personally for many, many years, and he is a very trustworthy person. I mean, to me, when he says something, that is the truth, period. So I, I never have to worry about whether what he's telling me is, is true or not. But his boss did not, and, and he's been working there for, for several years, and I wonder why. And so that kind of prom- prompted me to uh, write this episode. Well... Uh, the title, uh, the, the title is How to Kill Trustworthiness. That was inspired by an article from Teresa Amabil, an article that, that actually prompted my work on my dissertation. Uh, the title of her article in Harvard Business Review was How to Kill Creativity. And, and obviously, she didn't really talk about how to kill creativity. She explains why we're killing it and gave, 
gave ideas on how not to kill it. So I decided to follow the, the same suit. Um, I'm a big fan of Teresa Amabile of Harvard Business School. And uh, so this, uh, this episode is called How to Kill Trustworthiness. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to tell you why we're doing it, but I'm also going to give you a few tools and a few tips using the framework of the six components in trustworthiness and, and the eight uh, laws of trust on how to not kill it. So let's start with why do we kill it or, or more like how do we kill trustworthiness? So really the beginning is that you have a few employees and, and maybe more than a few, maybe it's even the majority who are not trustworthy and they, they behave not in a trustworthy way. So this is typically where it starts because if everybody was trustworthy, then, then you wouldn't have that issue. But, but often, especially kind of at the lower paying jobs, you will have employees that are not trustworthy. Well, if we take trust law number eight, trust law number eight is the trust is two-sided, which means that trust is the function, the product of my trustability, my willingness to trust other people and your trustworthiness. And there's almost nothing you can do about the former and everything you can do about the latter. And we'll talk about that. But to me, as your leader, if I have a lot of employees that are not trustworthy, then I start generalizing it and it lowers my trustability, my willingness to trust that group that I call my employees. So in general, my attitude towards employees, my trustability towards employees is low. Trust law number eight. Uh, the second reason is maybe I do feel that you are more trustworthy than the others. However, I'm very careful in treating everybody fairly, treating everybody equally. I should focus on equally and I'll talk more about that uh, too. So uh, trust law, uh, not trust, trust component three is symmetry. So for it's important for me to be trusted by you, by, by my employees. And I know that symmetry and fairness is a major component of the who I am or the who you are. And therefore I treat everybody in a symmetrical way, in a fair way. I, I shouldn't say fair, and I'll get to that, in an equal way. So that's the, sec the, the second reason, or the, the third reason. Uh, now comes in the trustworthy employee. So in my case, it's, it's my friend, or, or maybe it's you, and, and you come in. Well, I don't trust you because I have a lower level of trustability and because I want to treat everybody equally. And if I don't trust them and I show them that I don't trust them and I behave towards them, I don't give them autonomy and, and everything else that comes as a result, the outcome of me not trusting them, then I'm going to extend the same to you, even though you are trustworthy and should be treated differently. Well, now we get into uh, trust law number six. Trust is reciprocal. If you remember when I talked about uh, trust law number six in, in the first episode, I, I told you the story of uh, my daughter. And, and I'll tell you that story again, uh, just in case you didn't uh, listen to it. So my daughter, Maya, my older daughter, she's 22 now. But when she was about a year old, she lifted herself from the floor and realized that she can stand. That's right. 
Well, after she realized she can stand, she started making, you know, baby steps and, and realized that she can walk while holding on to something, but she can walk. Then she stopped holding it and found that she can still walk. Well, the next thing she tried, because she wants to experiment, is what do you think was the next thing that she did? Yes, I, I can't hear you, but, but just say it. She tried running. Yes, she tried running. And uh, what do you think happened the first time that she tried running? Exactly. She fell down. What do you think was the first thing that she did when she fell down? No, she didn't. You, you said uh, she, uh, she started crying. She didn't start crying. And she didn't get up and, and started walking. The first thing that she did was she turned back and she looked at me. And here's the deal. Uh, if my reaction would have been, <gasps> then she would think, Something terrible must have happened and she's going to start crying. But if my reaction would be, get up, keep going, then she would realize that, well, I guess that's not a big deal. And I don't know, there's something red in my knee and, you know, there's it's dripping. And I, But I guess dad doesn't think it's a big deal. So she gets up and she keeps going. So trust works the same way. We talk about the reciprocity of trust. Uh, one way that, that I don't fully buy into is that if I trust you, you'll trust me. It doesn't work that way. Trust is asymmetrical. Uh, trust law number four. But we look at the reciprocity as if you are trustworthy, then I will trust you. That's a reciprocity. The reciprocity is actually a complete cycle. If I trust you and if I show you that I trust you, then you will behave in a trustworthy way because otherwise you're going to have cognitive dissonance in your brain. You're going to feel awkward. I mean, imagine this. I trust you. I show you that I trust you, but I trust you more than you believe you should be trusted. What, what are you going to do? It, it just feels not right to behave in a way that would justify the fact that I trust, that, that will not justify the, the way that I trust you. So you're going to start behaving in a more trustworthy way. Well, that's great news, right? But, but there is the flip side to it. And that is, if I don't trust you and I show you that I don't trust you, you will not behave in a trustworthy way. If you are more trustworthy than how I treat you or the trust that I extend to you, guess what? You're going to go, why am I doing this? Why, why am I being trustworthy when I'm being treated without trust, with lower level of trust than I believe that I earned and, and that I deserve? And I'm talking objectively. Well, so what happens is when the leader, when the boss treats an employee who is trustworthy in a less, with less trust than that employee should deserve and, and maybe has earned because of the fairness and symmetry and because of the lower trustability that that boss or me has in employees in general, that employee or you will start behaving in a less trustworthy way than they really are. They will lower their trustworthy way, uh, trustworthiness. And this is where I would say, congratulations, you just killed a trustworthy employee's trustworthiness. And that's what happened. Uh, by the way, uh, since now they're going to behave in a less trustworthy way, they just justified your lower trustability. Employees should not be trusted. They are untrustworthy. Except you're missing one thing, and that is you caused it. Now let's talk about how you fix it. 
The first way to uh, get out of that cycle is, is actually to use that cycle, the reciprocity cycle, trust law number six, trust is reciprocal. I, I told you that if you treat me, you're the boss, you're the leader, and I'm your employee. If you treat me in with less trust and, and you show me that you don't trust me, you will lower my trustworthiness and, because I'm going to behave in a less trustworthy way. But as I said at the beginning, it works the other way around too. If you extend trust to me, if you are brave enough, and I'm not telling you to go all the way, trust me with your life. Trust me a little more than you feel comfortable, okay? Then, then you feel is right. Give me a little more trust. If you write in, my, in your assessment of my trustworthiness and you trust me a little more than what I earned or deserve, in my brain to avoid cognitive dissonance, the level of trustworthiness, my level of trustworthiness is going to go up a little. And, and so you actually improve my trustworthiness. Do that with the other employees. Start raising their trustworthiness. And by the way, that cycle works because now your trustability is going to go higher because if all the employees, their level of trustworthiness is going to go a little up, then you will be able to trust more, trust employees more, and you will believe that employees are more trusted than you thought they were before. That's one. Number two, take references seriously. Trust law number five, trust is transferable. When we hire people, we ask for references, but seriously, how often do we do we check the references? And, and I know there, there are some good reasons not to check references. One of them is uh, that the person giving reference was probably guided, instructed by their human resources uh, department to be very careful from giving negative reference because, uh, you know, obviously they're going to get sued because this is... Uh, 1.6%, almost 1.7% of the US GDP goes towards civil litigation. But you can watch my TED Talk for that, my 2018 TED Talk. So uh, take those references more seriously. Start asking questions. Ask other people who would know this person. Now, do me a favor. Don't do something that was done to me once. I was working for a company and I interviewed for another company to be uh, take a position of a vice president there. The CEO decided he's going to go outside the box and check references I did not give him. I was still working for the previous company. That could have come back to my boss and hurt my position in the previous company because we're not there yet. I'm, I'm not starting to work for you yet. Don't do that. But check as many references as possible that, that the, the person who gave you those references, your new employee, is allowing you to try and push the envelope, but but do that with their permission. Check those references, check them seriously, um, so that you'll know if this is a person you can trust or cannot. We, we typically check references on things that are not necessarily directly related to trust. Check on things that are more directly related to trust. Number three, don't use your gut to assess trustworthiness. Don't use your gut to say, oh, I feel that I can trust this person. I mean, most likely, especially if you read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, uh, most likely you did something that uh, he refers to and, and psychologists refer to as thin slicing. So in very short period of time, your subconscious machine uh, decided, or, or uh, Daniel Kahneman's uh, 
type one system, system A, um, that, that is subconscious, help you make some determinations. But how about instead of making those determinations, just use the framework that I gave you. Go to back to season two and learn about the six components of trustworthiness and start pragmatically and, and empirically evaluate the trustworthiness of this other person. Competence, are they competent? What are the questions we need to ask about competence to make that determination? Personality compatibility. Ask those questions, you know, consider their interactions, the positivity of their interactions and, and so on. So that's number three. Number four is look for your own biases. A again, using that same uh, six components uh, of, of trustworthiness model. So um, is there a real reason why you feel that, that you can trust them? You have to put your finger on it and, and ask yourself, is this one of my biases? Um, is there something that I can change in my own bias? You know, I'm biased in, in a certain direction. You, you know, one of the biases, actually, one one it's becoming bigger and bigger issue, uh, political affiliation. So you know that the uh, employee is uh, affiliated with one party, you're affiliated with the opposite party. And so uh, what do you feel about them? Well, I can't trust them. Really? Is Should that be a reason? Or, or is this just uh, one of your biases? Uh, is there anything that you can do to control yourself? So again, use use those six components. Uh, check pragmatically. Um, positivity, for example, the positivity component. If you remember, I told when I talked about positivity, I, I told you the story of, uh, I, and I'll tell it to you again. Uh, I had a boss in one of the companies I worked for, and um, every time I came up with something to her. Uh, she immediately had an allergic reaction to it. So I, I would come in, ask for something. And, and I was running a $100 million business unit. It wasn't like I, I was the, the lowest employee in the food chain. I came up with something and she would immediately get an, an allergic reaction. And, and then I would explain it. But, but, you know, it's kind of hard to overcome an allergic reaction. It's hard to overcome the negative uh, the, the immediate negative, the immediate bad. And, and I, I talked about that when I talked about positivity, that bad is much stronger than good. So uh, if she felt bad about what I was asking for, it, it's really hard for me. It was really hard for me to dig myself out of that hole. Well, at some point, I, I realized that this was happening and I asked her, when I ask for something, do you want me to start with the bottom line, which is what I did and, and, and how I like to process things because I need the context first. Give me the context of what you're asking, then tell me how you got there and, and I'll be able to judge it based on, on that context. Do you want the bottom line first or at the end? You want the rationale first, my, my thinking process first, and then the bottom line. Well, oddly enough, she was the opposite for me. She wanted the bottom line at the end. Once I realized that, I started, whenever I needed something, I started by taking her through the thought process, which would drive me crazy if somebody would do that to me because I, I would get lost. It's like, what do you want? Where is this going? But this was how she processed and how she needed to process information. So I started with the rationale. Here's, here's my thought process. And at the end, therefore, this is what I'm asking. Since I started doing that, the percentage of her agreement went up dramatically, at least towards me. So ask yourself, 
Is there something that causes me bias? Like this person keeps coming to me with, uh, you know, in my case, this person keeps coming to me with, they start telling me a story. I don't have time for this story. I just, what is it that you want? I mean, maybe it's an easy, a quick yes or no, but don't start with the story. Start with the bottom line. So how about realizing that this is a bias that I have? And this kind of links to the fifth one. And the fifth one is, on your side, uh, is there something that I can do? So I'm, I'm going to touch on, um, on on a couple of components. One of them is time and intimacy. So if you listen to, to the second season, when I talked about time and intimacy, there are two groups of components. There's the who you are, competence, personality, compatibility, and symmetry and, and fairness. And then there's the what you do during an interaction. And, and what you do during the interaction starts with the positivity of what you bring into that interaction, you know, the level of BS and, and the, the level of empathy uh, or, or uh, self-centrism, the, the world revolves around you. So uh, there's that, but that gets accelerated or multiplied by time and intimacy, by how much time, how frequently, do we meet? Do we interact? And intimacy, how intimate are our interactions? So are they email? Are they written? Or are they face-to-face? Face-to-face accelerates it. Face-to-face also gives you the, the opportunity to see that what I say is what I mean. And because of that, my body language reflects what, I, what I'm saying to you. And because of that, you can trust me. You feel that you can trust me. So those are things that I can control. I can increase the frequency of our meetings and and the length of our meetings, you know, within reason. Um, When I had 89 employees, I can't spend 30 minutes a week with every employee, but I could spend 30 minutes a week one-on-one with each one of my four direct reports. Uh, And increase the intimacy. Less email. Get your butt out of your office. Go see them in person. So this is how you take responsibility for your side of uh, why I don't trust this other person. Number six is is a big one. and, And it goes to the fairness and symmetry. Treat your employees as they deserve to be treated. This is not an issue of fairness. We Leaders tend to treat everybody equally. Treating them equally does not mean that you treat them fairly. Those are two different things. And so I looked at some uh, dictionary definitions of fairness. So uh, Webster, the Webster, Webster Dictionary says that fairness is being fair or impartial or giving fair or impartial treatment, lack of favoritism towards one side or another. Cambridge Dictionary, the the quality of treating people equally or in a way that is right or reasonable. So that, I'm, I'm not too crazy about that definition. Fairness is not giving everyone the same treatment. It's not giving everyone equal treatment. It's giving everyone treatment according to the same standards, which means that you are going to uh, give one person a different treatment than another person because of a standard that is open and and available and and known 
by everyone. In fact, if you give everyone the same treatment, if you trust them the same level, even though some deserve more trust than others, you are actually not treating them fairly. You're treating them unfairly. Uh, if you trust people that, that should not be trusted the same level as you trust someone who should be trusted, you're being unfair. And, and obviously vice versa. Uh, should everyone be uh, paid the same regardless of performance? You, you know, that, that's one of the biggest demotivators. You're being the same, uh, being paid the same as me, even though I work harder, I deliver more. That's a problem for me. This is a demotivator for me. And by the way, not a big motivator for the other person. Trustworthy employees should be trusted. Even if you your trustability is kind of lower towards employees in general, trustworthy employees should be trusted more. Uh, very important is that you show them that you trust them. It's not enough that you know that you trust them. They need to know that you trust them to maintain their level of trustability of trustworthiness. Their level of trustworthiness might still be higher than the trust that you extend to them. But still, you don't want to drag it dramatically lower by not showing them that you trust them, even though you know that you do. And it is, if their level of trustworthiness is lower than yours, it's going to help them lowers than lowers the lower than the level of trust that you extend to them. You will encourage them to be more trusted. What do you do with less trusted employees? With employees that you cannot trust? Well, first of all, you need to show them. They need to know that they're not as trusted as other employees. They need to understand why. They need to know why you trust this other employee more. Now, here's the problem. If you treat the untrustworthy employees with no trust, the question is, do they get the message? Will it encourage them to be more trustworthy? Or will it just justify their untrustworthiness? So, so it's kind of taking me back to the first advice, which is assess pragmatically, empirically, objectively, and, and as scientifically as possible, what is the real level of trustworthiness of that specific employee? That specific employee, not everyone, separate them. That specific employee in this specific context of what you want them to do. And then trust them a little more. So kind of pull them uh, through cognitive dissonance. Pull them in to the level of trust that you give in them. Uh, tell them what they can do to earn your trust. You know, do the six, uh, the analysis of the six components. Uh, identify one bad habit that, that they have that is the one that's causing them to lose the most trust. And, and again, in this season, I'm going to take you through that seven-step process. But instead of doing it for yourself, I'm talking about doing it for them. Help them identify what is that one thing and how do they build this uh, a uh, into a process. And... Um, in some areas, you can actually help them be more trustworthy. Areas that you can control, such as, you know, their competence. Uh, they're not very competent. Well, is there something that you can do to help them be more competent? Yes, there is. Give them the right experience. Let them experiment and learn from their experiments. Mentor them. Coach them. Uh, give them give them training. Uh, maybe they need a course. Maybe it's available from you, from the company, or even outside of the company. Um, 
give them the opportunity to earn your trust. Because otherwise, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're untrustworthy, then I don't trust you, and we're going to keep it at that. And then you remain untrustworthy. If you give them an opportunity and you tell them and, and you help them, then you will have uh, improved their trustworthiness. But I, I want to get to the last one. And the last one is a hard one. And, and this is where I said in this uh, uh, podcast, I'm not holding anything back and, and I'm not going to give you any BS. There could be reasons why you can't trust them that you can't fix and they can't fix. In this case, you have a hard decision to make. There are two options. One, you will live with a lower level of trust. With all the consequences. I told you in, in the previous episode, the first episode of this third season, what is the cost of having lower trust? You know, whether it's uh, the impact on the employees uh, in stress and uh, less job satisfaction and are they willing to stay with you? Think about the cost of hiring new employees as opposed to keeping the ones that you have. So there are costs to that. There are costs to shareholders. There's cost in meeting projects, scheduled budget and, and specifications. Um, are you okay with those consequences? Or the alternative is replace. It, it's a tough decision, but you need to get people that you can trust and not keep people that you can't. In summary, when we have untrustworthy employees, we kill the trustworthiness of those employees that we can trust. And the reason is because our trustability goes down and we're trying to treat everybody fairly, which is really equally and not, not fairly. How do we prevent that? Start with trust. Trust them a little more than you believe that they earn. Check their references seriously. Use a transferable trust. Uh, don't use your gut. Use a pragmatic, uh, empirical, scientific approach. The six-component model that, that I gave you. Look at your own biases when you assess that uh, trust, their trustworthiness. On your side, is there anything that I do that I can change that will help me trust them more, help them be more uh, trusted? Treat them fairly, not equally, and help them be more trusted. Uh, in the rest of the season, I'm going to focus on the process itself, give you the actionable part of that process. How do you become more trustworthy? What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? 
and can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.